God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I was walking in a parking lot once, and there was a piece of paper that I picked up and I put in my pocket. I don't usually pick a paper and put it in my pocket when I'm walking through a parking lot because usually the paper that's in a parking lot is usually waste, receipts, trash. It's just floating around the parking lot. And if I were to pick those up, I wouldn't put it in my pocket. I would put it in the trash. But this one piece of paper, I put in my pocket. I put it there because it was desirable. It was valuable. It was a dollar bill. And so if you ever see a dollar bill, you're probably not going to pick it up and throw it in the trash. You're going to pick it up and put it in, the po- in your pocket and keep it. And you probably leave the other stuff around or you'd pick it up and throw it away. There's something different between something that is desirable and undesirable. The undesirable things, usually we, we don't notice. There's, there's been trash that's been sitting in the same spot, in the same location for probably weeks that I've noticed at Walmart. No one's touched because no one desires it. No one wants to pick it up. Now that we get into college season and football season, you see the difference between what is desirable and undesirable. So... There are some players that are still holding out to get good contracts for the NFL. They sit there, they know that they're desirable, and so they're going to wait and wait until they get their best deal because they know if their deal isn't given there, there's someone else they could go to and get a good deal. However, there are other professional players who are just hoping for any contract, hoping that they could play in the NFL, and so they're waiting for at least one offer, and there's some that won't get any. They're not desirable. College, universities have started. And after students in high school have taken their SATs and have submitted resumes and has has submitted all their information to certain colleges, they wait and they wait for letters to come back. And hopefully in opening their letters, they see they've either been accepted or rejected. If you're accepted, you're excited then you know that you're desirable. There's something about you that that college is willing to accept and take and and teach. But if you get no offers, if you get no contracts, you feel undesirable. And there's a difference between the two. If you feel undesirable, you you feel overlooked, you feel discarded, you feel left out. If you're desirable, then you're almost empowered. If you apply to all the schools that you want to get into and you get all answers back that say, yes, you're accepted, then you feel powerful because then you get to choose where you get to go. If you get offers from multiple jobs, then you feel empowered because then you can pick your salary and when you work and where you work and for who you work. And so being desired and being undesirable are two very different things and two things that I think today we're going to feel. We're going to feel desired, and the next moment we're going to feel very undesirable. And we see that in Proverbs today as we hear about wisdom. Hear what Proverbs says in verses 1 through 5 as we read chapter 9. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids 
And she calls from the highest point of the city, Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Quite a generous offer. This wisdom, this character wisdom, not only has prepared a meal, but has gone to great lengths to to put on this meal, even to the point where he's built his own house, hewn out pillars. This is a very big house. This is a very elaborate meal. He has laid out everything. He has prepared the meat and mixed the wine, and everything is ready. And he does it in an odd way. He prepares everything first. Everything is absolutely ready for someone to come in and eat, even before inviting anyone. And then once everything is ready, he goes out, he sends his maids, he goes out to the top of the city and he says, come all those who are simple, come in and eat. It's like being invited to a banquet that you know you're not supposed to be at. It's elaborate. You know the food is going to be great. It's going to be filling. It's going to be tasty. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to walk out of there and you're going to be so happy and so glad that you went. He says, to all who are simple, come in. But that's not the only offer. Our lesson only goes to to verse 9 today. But if you continue to read through chapter 9... Following verses 13, you see there's another offer on the table. Another character called Folly. She sits at her front door and she does very similar things to what wisdom does. She sits there and she she calls out to the simple, those who lack judgment, come in, I have food for you too. Come in, it's sweet, it's delicious, eat my food. And she knows she's not as good as wisdom. She can't make the meal and the banquet as wonderful as wisdom or as filling or as nutritious as wisdom. And so, she understands how to get the market. She floods the market and says, everything I have is just as good as wisdom. Come in, take this water. It says, verse 15, or 16, Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. She has something that she knows is not as good as wisdom, and yet she she poses it just as good. Come and eat. This is just as good as the banquet wisdom has put on. Come and eat this food. Stolen water, doing things bad, is sweet. It's delicious. Eating in secret, doing simple things, hiding behind closed doors, it's good. It may not taste as good as Wisdom, it may not be as nutritious as wisdom, but it sure seems as good. And both wisdom and folly come out to us and say, come and take and eat. Wisdom says, I had this wonderful meal that is healthy and nutritious for you. And folly says, forget nutrition. I have candy. I have junk food for you. You know it's not good for you, but you can eat it over and over again, and you're going to come back for more because it tastes so sweet and so delicious. Come to me. But then we realize what folly is doing. Little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are the depths 
of the grave. As Christians, as we sit here, we can pretty clearly tell which is good and which is bad. Wisdom, obviously, is good, and folly is obviously bad, as, as they're named. But even Christians, we, we understand the, the application of this. The wisdom of God, his, his word, his filling us up with his, his word on a daily basis, nurturing our souls, that we know is good. Being faithful to God's command and listening to his word, we know it's beneficial for us, but we also know what folly is. We know there's things that are very sweet that we know aren't very good for us. There are things that we like to do that we, we know we shouldn't be doing, and yet we go back again and again because it tastes sweet. It's delicious. As Christians, we know what's good, what's bad. But there's something else at play here. It's not just the good and the bad, not just wisdom and folly, but the fact that you feel desired right now. It's like you're in the middle and wisdom and folly are fighting over you, trying to lure you in, saying, my place is better, my food is better, my entertainment is more enjoyable for you. Come to me. It's both of them saying, come and enjoy and relax and take and sit and eat. And maybe the sin for us as Christians is not necessarily seeing what is good and bad, but seeing ourselves for what we're not. Because we sure feel desired. And you know what's better than one contract or one offer? Two. Because then you get to pick. You get to pick between the two. Which do you like better? And we stand between the middle and and we say to to wisdom and we say to folly, all right, what you got for me? One-up each other. Wisdom, you have the, the knowledge of eternal life, which is so great and so wonderful, but folly, you know what you offer me? You offer me good things in this world. And folly sits there on her, her stoop and she said, yes, I'll give you everything that your eye can see and your heart can desire. Say, wouldn't it be nice to live in the present, to live now? Wisdom has knowledge. Knowledge for our eternal well-being. Knowledge of God and and relationship with God. And we say to, to wisdom, your knowledge is great, but you know what? I have these things called the news. I have books. I have podcasts. I have my, my education. That is wisdom. If I, if I study those things, then I will have a good life here, and I'll be wonderful here. And somehow we put aside wisdom and say, your knowledge is not good for me. This is. Wisdom offers us redemption, purity. It gives us purpose for husbands and wives and and single people, how we use our body and how we act and how we speak to each other and we say this is all good and precious and holy, but you know what folly tells us? You could do whatever you want. Use your body how you want. Use your tongue how you want. You have freedom to do what you want. And so we stand here between wisdom and folly and say, wisdom, folly's got this. 
What more do you have for me? What extra do you have? Because I get to choose. Well, if you know business at all, or just if you've seen Shark Tank a few times, you'll know there's something called overvaluation. Where you overvalue something. Someone comes in with their product, their company, and they they say, it's worth this much, and the, the partners that are sitting up there will say, nope, it's not. We're not touching that. You're overvaluing yourself. Overvaluing yourself. I wonder if that's happening with us. We feel valued as wisdom, God, and folly, Satan, sin, and death are are trying to pull us one way or another, laying these meals before us. We feel very much valued, and we feel like we can choose and pick whatever we want. But then we get to the heart and core of who we are, and we see we have really no value at all. You see, the only reason that we are of any value is because God has this illogical love that he gives us. It's illogical because love usually depends on on two people. If you love your spouse, you love them oftentimes because they love you back. If you love a teacher... It's probably because they invested time in you and they cared for you and so you love them back. If you, you love a friend, it's likely because they love you back at the same time. And yet here, God, he's giving us love, but it's not that we love him back. You see that the time and the effort that he put in to putting on this banquet, he, he has built it, this house he has put up his pillars. He has prepared everything. And he says to the simple, those who lack judgment, come in and eat. And the thing is, we, we offer his banquet nothing. It's not as if we're some famous celebrity that walks into a banquet and all of a sudden it's the thing to go to. We come in and we're filthy and we're sinful. And we make a mess of ourselves. It's not like we added some value in coming to the banquet that, that we maybe were the, the life of the party or center of conversation and, and helped things go along. It wasn't that at all. It says we were simple. We lacked judgment. The only reason we were invited to that banquet is because of God's illogical love. That he prepared this whole thing and he said to everyone, Come. Come and take and eat of food that you will not find anywhere else. Come and be part of this celebration, a celebration that you will find nowhere else, a celebration of my love for you. And so you begin to see how simple we really are as we straddle the fence between folly and wisdom. As we think that just because both of them are fighting over us, we have some value. But maybe folly comes after us because folly wants to do, undo everything that God does. Folly wants to do the opposite of what wisdom does. And so it's like an investor. 
If there's someone who's really good at investing, everyone looks to that person, and when they invest in someone, everyone else invests in it. Here God has chosen us, and suddenly folly sees something that God values and is beneficial to God, and it says, come, come away from God, don't go next to him. Not because folly wants you, not because he values your soul, but because he wants to put you in the grave. That's what it said in verse 18, that all the guests have a grave. We have no value in ourselves. Not one. No value at all. And yet God lays this feast before us. He says, come on, you who are simple. Sure, it may be sweeter that you go live a sinful life because we've all stepped into Folly's house before. We've listened to Folly's ways and, and tasted the sweet treats that Folly gives. But we're missing this whole meal, this whole banquet. And every moment we miss it is, is some, a moment we don't benefit from it. He's laid it out for us. He says, this is the best I give you. I'm, I can't give you anymore. I'm not like folly. I don't promise something extra every time. I don't promise the world to you and give you nothing. This is, you know what you get. And this is what you get. Food for your soul. That my son laid out his life for you to give you life for your soul. That when you come and eat of this banquet, you're not just filling your belly, you're filling your eternal life, your soul, so that you stand before God on Judgment Day and know you can live within his house that he has built. He has built it all from the ground up. From the beginning of time, he built it using the apostles and the prophets. Using his word, he has built this up. He has laid the meal of Christ before us, a meal that we celebrate in the Lord's Supper. He's prepared it all for you. All at his expense. And we're desired. Just of, because of who God is and his illogical love, we're desired because of what he has laid before us. He says, All you who are simple minded, come and eat. It's good to have multiple contracts and multiple offers in this life. But for God, he says, don't entertain another offer. This is the, good, the best that you'll get. This is the finest that you'll ever find. It's right here. And every moment away from that, you do yourself no good. So come and, and consume my word and my sacraments Eat it on a regular basis. Find yourself standing in God's holiness and his purity, fleeing from this junk food of folly so that you stand as one who is loved, not one who is in the grave. You're desired, not because of what you have done, but because who God is. May we live and take part of that meal as we 
grow in God's word on a regular basis as we hear, preach, taught, and as we study at home. And every time we do, we open that banquet and we consume of this wonderful meal. We thank Jesus as he has invited us to this wonderful meal. Amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed, printed on page 7 in the Bobby Bolton. We confess. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.